sharing the victory from the WVUFCA, 104.5 FM, 1440 AM, WAJR. It's part of Sunday morning on WAJR. FCA Campus Director Kirby Myers with us. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. And we're uh, going straight to Sunday school. Here we go. Here we go. Thanks for the opportunity. All right. All right. Hey, uh, thanks for joining us this morning. We've been uh, going through this series called Greater. Today is our final look at that topic, uh, the fourth segment in this short series. And if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to turn to the book of Philippians in the New Testament, Philippians chapter 3. And I will go ahead and just read our text for us this morning, Philippians 3, verses 1 to 10. Paul says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me, and it is a safeguard for you. Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the false circumcision. For we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh. If anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law found blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ, and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. If I were to ask you this question this morning, what is something you would like to know more about? Or what is something you would like to learn how to do? My wife, Sally, is a few years younger than me, and when she turned 35, I think it was, she just told me out of the blue, I want to learn to surf. And so we've tried to do that for her a couple times. It's a challenge when when I lived in Indiana, um, but we've been to Florida and other places, and she's had that opportunity to try. Aubrey Custer, who's been on this program, one of our student leaders, a cross-country runner here at WVU, last year she just decided she wanted to learn to play guitar. And she is now leading our praise and worship time on Monday nights at our huddle. Well, how about you? If you had a lot of extra free time and money was not an issue, what is something you would want to know more about or something that you would want to learn to do? Well, today I would like to show you from Scripture that there is nothing greater than knowing Christ. And that's our first point this morning. There is nothing greater than knowing Christ. The Apostle Paul was the human writer of the book of Philippians. We know that God is the divine author of all of the Bible. All Scripture is God-breathed. But Paul is the human writer of this book. Paul was a scholar. He was an intellectual. Uh, he had the best teachers. I think today we would probably say that he would have a Ph.D. in theology or in law, the law of Israel. Uh, such a distinction when you read the writings of John and then compare those to the Apostle Paul. Very sophisticated. And here in Philippians chapter 3, specifically in verses 5 to 6, we see here Paul's resume. 
when he was not Paul, but Saul of Tarsus. He was an unbeliever, and he was one who rejected Jesus as the Messiah, as the Christ. But after his conversion to Christ, he went on four missionary journeys. He planted churches, he strengthened courage, or churches, and he preached the gospel, and thousands were saved under his ministry. He was the apostle to the Gentiles, or to the non-Jews. He wrote nearly half of the New Testament, 13 letters or epistles from Romans to Philemon. All of those books were written by the Apostle Paul. Outside of Christ, we could say that Paul was the preacher of preachers, the teacher of teachers, the teacher par excellence. Peter, who was one of the 12 disciples, apostles of Jesus, wrote First and Second Peter and he understood that what Paul was writing was Scripture, that what Paul was giving was indeed the Word of God, and he admitted that Paul sometimes would say things that were hard to understand. Paul had a growing and vibrant relationship with Almighty God. He received direct revelation from God. God talked to him, and Paul spoke to him. But that was not enough for Paul, all of those things. He wanted more, and he wanted to know more. Well, what was it that he wanted to learn? Well, we saw the answer here in verses 7 and 8. He says, But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. Paul wanted to know the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus as his Lord. He wanted to gain Christ. He wanted to know Christ more. Tua Tagovailoa, who is the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, a week ago was the AFC Offensive Player of the Week He's quarterback of the Miami Dolphins, who still have the best uniforms in the NFL, especially their home uniforms. But he said in 2019, while he was at the University of Alabama, he said this, the greatest gift that God could have ever given us was his son. It's not just a matter of hearing what Jesus Christ is. It's a matter of getting to know who Jesus Christ is, to really understand and really feel the identity of who you are because of things that he has done. And I would say that you can only find your identity through him if you know him. Paul says here in verse 9, And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Paul wanted to be found in him. If you think about the word Christian, it means little Christ. It's someone who is being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ, one who has been covered with the righteousness of Christ. That's what Paul wanted in his life, to be found in Christ. Verse 10, he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Paul says that I might know him and the word know here, the verb know, is, is in the present tense. It's, 
a present active indicative, meaning that Paul was saying, I want to continue to know. I want to continue to learn. I want to continue to grow in my knowledge of the Lord. Paul says, I want to know him. I want to know Jesus. I want to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection that we too will one day be raised. The Christian singer Jeremy Camp has a song with with some lyrics that say, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. And Paul wanted to know that resurrection power. And he would say, I want to share in his sufferings and become more like him in his death. Well, I'd ask you again this morning, what do you want to know more of? What do you want to know more about what do, you, what do you want to learn more of? What do you want to learn more about? Do you want to know Christ more? Do you want more of Jesus? Can you say before the Lord, that's what you want in life? Can you honestly say more of Jesus and less of me? Can you say what John the Baptist, who said in John 3.30, he must increase, meaning Christ, he must increase, but I must decrease. He must become greater, but I must become less. And will you make it a priority to know Christ more, to read his word, to make time to pray, to be a part of a Bible-believing and a Bible-teaching church, to have fellowship with other like-minded believers? To reiterate, there is nothing greater than knowing Christ. And Paul is such a great example of that. Number two, there is nothing greater than being known by Christ. There's nothing better than being known by Christ. And for this, I'd like you to turn to the Gospel of John, John chapter 10, probably a very familiar passage of Scripture to you. John chapter 10, and I'm going to read verses 11 to 18. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and he is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, so that I may take it again. No one has taken taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again, This commandment I received from my Father. In verse 14, Jesus says, I know my own. And here we are comforted by the fact that Jesus knows who are his. He knows who belongs to him. If you go back earlier in that chapter, in John chapter 10, let me read verses 1 to 5. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. 
When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. The shepherd, the, f- the farmer, knows his sheep. He names them. He calls them by name. So he would have a, a herd of, of sheep, and so maybe he would call one Spot, one Blackie, one Whitetail, maybe one Snowflake, and they know his voice, and Jesus tells us here that they will not follow a stranger. And what a beautiful picture this is of Jesus' relationship with us. He is our shepherd, and we are his sheep. He is our leader, and we need to be led. He loves us, and he lays down his life for the sheep. Now, it's, it's important for us to note here that Jesus knows all people. He knows who belongs to him. He knows who does not. He is the creator. Every man and every woman is made in the image of God. Every person ever born is stamped with God's image upon him. Jesus knows all things. He is omniscient. He is all-knowing. But he has an intimate relationship with his own, with his children, with those who are trusting in him. We can call Jesus our Lord and Savior. We can call God our Father. We can come to him and say, Abba, Daddy, because we have been saved, because we have been brought back to God. Last week before our game with Pitt, I spoke to our men at chapel, which is optional, on Friday night about redemption. And we looked at Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. Let me just read Galatians 4, verses 4 to 7. It says, When the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. But not everyone is a son or a daughter of God. Not everyone is a sheep. In Matthew 25, which is a chapter about the end times, the last days, we see that Jesus will separate the sheep from the goats. You want to be a sheep. You want to be separated and placed on God's right hand, a place of blessing. And there we see that we are not all God's children. That's something the world would love to tell you, a lie they would want you to believe that, hey, just take whatever path you want to get to get to God. Just be sincere, be, de- be devoted. We're all going to the same place. That's so not true. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says some really strong words there in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, verses 21 to 23. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Depart from me, I never knew you. Those have to be the seven most terrifying words that will ever be spoken. 
Well, why would Jesus say this to these people? These were religious people. These were people that were prophesying in his name. These were people that were driving out demons in his name. These were people who were performing miracles in his name. It sure sounds like they knew him. Why would he say this? Well, he would say it because they were not trusting in him. They were not entrusting themselves to him. They were trusting in themselves, in their own works, in their own righteousness, and not in the righteousness of Christ. Jesus was not really their Lord, even though they say, Lord, Lord here. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus actually says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not do what I say? Jesus here calls them lawbreakers, workers of iniquity. If Jesus was really their Lord, they would have obeyed him and believed, but they did not. You know, every time I speak at FCA, we have a room full of athletes. We're, we're having some great numbers this fall. And, um, you know, we have new people come every week. We have returning people come, and it's been really difficult this fall. It's a great problem, but getting to know everyone's name. And so there are some, I, I know their names. I see their face. I know them immediately. Others, I have to cheat and look at their name tag to be reminded. But I love every one of them, whether they have come every week or if that was their first time. And I don't want any of those athletes to ever hear these words, depart from me. I don't want anyone and anyone listening today to ever go to hell. I don't want anyone in that room on Monday nights, no one in the football facility, no one on the campus of WVU, and no one in this town or in this state to ever go to hell. Well, how can you be sure that you never hear these words, depart from me? The Bible would say, repent and believe. Turn from your sins and place your trust in Jesus and in his finished work on the cross, and you will be known by Christ. You will go from being a goat to a sheep, and you will inherit eternal life. So number one, there is nothing greater than knowing Christ. Number two, there's nothing greater than being known by Christ. And then number three, there is nothing greater than making Christ known. There is nothing greater than making Christ known. Our final scripture we want to look at today is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. Again, a very familiar passage of scripture for many of you listening today. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 through 20. Therefore, if anyone is in, it is, excuse me, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away, behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We had hostility with God. We were at war with God. We were enemies of God. But we have been reconciled to God through the person of Jesus Christ. 
We have been brought into a right relationship with God. We have been redeemed. We have been purchased. We have been bought back. This past week at chapel, and then again on Monday night at our huddle, I recognized one of our players on our football team whose parents were divorced and they decided to get remarried. What a great story and what a a fitting picture of reconciliation where two people are brought back into a covenant relationship. And that is what God has done through us. He has reconciled us through Jesus Christ to himself. And now we as God's children, as his sons and daughters, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. We are to urge sinful men and women to be reconciled to God, just as we have been reconciled. In verse 20, we see that we have this term called ambassadors. Ambassadors. I think about ambassadors that uh, serve our country. (coughs) Excuse me. And they go and serve as ambassadors to other countries. Pardon me, just getting over a cold this week, so I'm drinking some water here. When I was at the University of Indianapolis, we had a group of students that were known as ambassadors. They they represented the, the president's office, and whenever we had big events on campus, they would wear these red jackets to show that they were ambassadors. They were serving the president, and we are ambassadors for Christ. We have been called to give others the gospel. We have been commissioned to tell others the good news of how they can be in a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And what an honor and what a privilege that is. We don't wear red coats like those students did at University of Indianapolis when I was there back in the day, but we have been covered by the blood of Christ. And so we are going to others and telling them about the shed blood of Jesus so that they too can have the forgiveness of sins, that they too can be covered with the righteousness of Christ and have the forgiveness of sin and have everlasting life. What an honor, what a privilege to tell others that they can be forgiven and have everlasting life. That might seem overwhelming, but just a reminder today that the salvation of others, your friends, your family members, your classmates, your teammates, your next-door neighbors, the salvation of any other person is not up to you. The Bible is very clear that salvation is of the Lord. We saw that in our study of Ephesians chapter 2, where we looked at the fact that our sin was great, but his grace was greater. God is the one who makes a dead person alive. It is by grace we have been saved. There in Ephesians 2, 1 to 3, we see the bad news that we were, we were dead in our sins. We were children of wrath. We were subject to the evil rule of Satan. We walked according to the course of this world, and we could do nothing to change our dreadful condition. But God, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, made us alive when we were dead. By grace we have been saved. It's all of grace. And so when you think about being an ambassador and going out and trying to uh, be ministers of reconciliation and trying to get sinful men to be reconciled to a holy God, 
it can seem overwhelming, but we remember this. Paul tells us in Corinthians that one man plants, so one man plants the gospel, shares the gospel, preaches the gospel. Another waters, so someone will come along and water that seed that was planted in that person's heart. But God gives the increase. Salvation is of the Lord. You know, I've often said this, if if the salvation of WVU athletes and coaches were up to me, I would not sleep at night. I would be awake praying and doing everything I could to bring people to salvation. But it is not dependent on me. It is dependent on the Lord. We are just agents of reconciliation, ambassadors for Christ. We will probably spend a program in the future talking more about this, um, practical ways to share the gospel. But I always like to say this, if you, if you want to know a simple way to share the gospel with someone, think of these four words, God, man, Christ, response. God, man, Christ, response. God is the first word. We talk about the fact that God is holy. He is perfect. He is stainless. He is separated from his creation. Man, however, is sinful. Man has sinned against God. Man has missed the mark and fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus Christ came and lived a perfect life and died a sacrificial death in our place on the cross. He was buried, and on the third day he rose from the dead. And so what will our response be to that good news of the gospel? At FCA, we have these bracelets that we wear and we give out to our student-athletes that have four symbols on them, and it's called the four. The first symbol is a heart that just tells us that God loves you. The second is a division symbol that shows us that sin divides us or separates us from God. And then there's a cross that shows us that Jesus came to rescue us from our sin. And then fourth, there's a question mark just saying, how will you respond to this good news? So in summary today, we saw that, number one, there is nothing greater than knowing Christ. The Apostle Paul, with all of his accomplishments, all the things that he had been through, that is what he wanted more than anything else. He wanted to know Christ. Number two, there's nothing greater than being known by Christ, that Christ knows your name, that one day you will hear those words from him if you are in Christ, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of of your reward. And then number three, there's nothing greater than making Christ known. We are ambassadors. We have been called to tell sinful people, men and women, how they can be reconciled to a holy God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for this truth that there is nothing greater than knowing Christ. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone listening to this radio program or to this podcast that has never trusted in you, that, Lord, they would trust you today as their Savior and Lord. And, Lord, that they would know there's nothing greater in this life than being in a relationship with you. And there's nothing better than making you known to the world around them. Thank you for your word. May you add blessing to those who have listened today. In Jesus' name, amen. WVUFCA sharing the victory here on WAJR, part of our uh, Sunday morning programming on 104.5 FM, 1440 AM WAJR. We thank you for listening and, of course, uh, 
Anytime you want more information on the FCA, you can go to the website, wvufca.org. Find out more information on uh, Kirby and Teresa, the two leaders of the WVU-FCA. Teresa, of course, was a fixture on this show for a long time. Is she doing okay? She's doing well. Uh, Doing a great job leading our ladies. Um, Has a Thursday night girls' Bible study that girls come to her house, and it's it's really blowing up. All right, very good. So, again, if you uh, would like to support anything the FCA does, go to the website or just simply pray for them. Pray for them, uh, their outreach, and pray that uh, that the messages get through to these young people who are um, under a lot of pressure as, as athletes and as students, and they could certainly use that, your prayer. Again, sharing the victory on this Sunday morning, sponsored by the WVU FCA, and you're listening to Sunday Morning, 104.5 FM, 1440 AM, WAJR.